Have you ever been in charge of a group project with people who seemingly have no respect for authority? Is there a social disconnect between you and your coworkers? Our leadership habits can sometimes spoil morale and ruin relationships in the workplace. Today, we're going to chill out and learn how to enhance our leadership skills. Later in the episode, we'll hear from former active duty Army Sergeant James Kutras. My name is Tiffany Roberts from the Leadership Institute, and you're listening to the Lead Your Future podcast. On the horizon, do you see it? That's the digital future coming towards us. Whether you fear it or embrace it, there's no escaping it. But LI can help you prepare to take hold of it and make it your own. Whether it's creation, analytics, communication, or strategy, the Leadership Institute can equip you for the road ahead. Go to leadershipinstitute.org forward slash training and click digital. Again, that's leadershipinstitute.org forward slash training and click digital. The only difference between being left behind and leading the way is being ready. Hey guys, welcome to the Lead Your Future podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes and this podcast, please click the subscribe button and feel free to leave a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Leadership Institute and on Twitter at Leadership I-N-S-T. Do you have a topic that you're just dying to hear me talk about? Feel free to shoot me an email at troberts at leadershipinstitute.org and I'd be happy to make that happen. Now on to today's episode. The pitfalls of poor leadership. In all honesty, being a leader is not easy, and an efficient leader can be even more difficult. But while it may seem more like common sense, I'm sure you've experienced a boss or two where you felt like you could have done their job for them, and it would have turned out a little bit better. However, many come to realize that leadership is more strenuous, time-consuming, and all-encompassing once they actually get the position. Many common pitfalls for new leaders include micromanaging, being a know-it-all, and being afraid to lead when leadership is needed. Some leaders even fail to realize that they're examples for their coworkers and forget the mentality of doing good even when nobody's looking, because odds are someone is. While being a leader can be difficult, there are some tricks to turn some unhealthy habits into healthy qualities that will earn you respect, admiration, and improve morale in the workplace. We just need to remember to chill. C-H-I-L-L. Communication, humility, improvement, limitations, and leading by example. So first up, we have communication. Effective communication is absolutely necessary throughout life, not just work. So great communicators make sure they are heard and understood, but they're also great listeners. Communication is a two-way street in its most simple form. I know sometimes I'm not the best at listening. Business communication is mistaken as a top-down only, but workers should feel the freedom to provide feedback and influence decision-making on some degree. This not only makes your workers feel valued, but that they were specifically handpicked in a well-organized recruitment process and that they're here for a reason. Nonetheless, make sure you cultivate a business culture of integrity. There will always be tiers and hierarchies in the workplace, but being too comfy with people well below your position could step on toes of the middlemen in the administrative process. Second in our acronym CHILL, we have humility. While intelligence, knowledge, experience, and skill set are great, many high-qualified executives have been fired based on personality alone. Many mistake overconfidence for wisdom, while at the same time mistaking humility for weakness. 
However, it cannot be emphasized enough that humility requires immense inner strength to embody. Someone can have all of the resume qualities in the world, but if someone can't welcome feedback and criticism, how will their business or even themselves grow and learn? People with great humility acknowledge every individual rather than take all the credit. They take criticism and feedback rather than defend against it. They respect their opponents rather than discredit or disrespect them and are graceful to those lower on the hierarchy while also being receptive to those higher up on the chain. With that being said, it brings us to our next letter of chill, improvement. Humility allows us to take criticism head on, but what you do with that feedback is the most important. You should be constantly learning from the critiques you get and applying them to your work every day. Nevertheless, peer assignments aren't the only thing you should be learning from. A good leader will do his or her due diligence and learn from external sources. Reading books by successful leaders will refine you and help you start aligning your mindset with what's proven to work and get you prepared regarding hardships you may face. Leadership podcasts are another great way to learn from seasoned veterans in your respective field. These days, technology is persuasive of our everyday lives, and it shouldn't be hard to find outlets and resources dedicated to educating people in the art of leadership. These days, technology is pervasive of our everyday lives, and it shouldn't be hard to find outlets and resources dedicated to educating people in the art of leadership. Next up, we have limitation. Good leaders will always know their limits and set limits for their workers as well. You won't be hurting anybody by reminding them of boundaries they signed up for. Knowing what you will or will not tolerate saves the office a ton of frustration, and setting a very strict borderline will clear any confusion anyone has. As for your own limitations, don't pile your plate high with projects. If you feel a worker has the capability of taking some of your workload, trust them and see if they can perform. Not only does it make workers feel appreciated, but it can also enhance their own skill set. It can prepare them for potential promotions down the line or even prepare them for other job opportunities. Last up in our acronym CHILL, we have LEADING BY EXAMPLE. Leaders set the tone for the workplace. This last letter is almost all-encompassing. Effectively communicating, humbling, and improving yourself and setting limitations will help others learn and develop a similar attitude and mindset. The most important thing is, what happens when you're not around? Leaders demand respect by acting within the standards they set for their workers. Taking this into account, you shouldn't be too troubled by being out of the office for a time and trust that the qualities you cultivated are continuing without you there. Being a good leader is almost like mentoring without the one-on-one. Be a light for others to follow. Now that we've got you thinking about ways of improving your leadership qualities, after this quick break, I'm going to sit down with former active duty Army Sergeant James Kutras. Do you want to fight liberal bias on your campus? Have you or your friends witnessed it at school? If so, Campus Reform wants to hear from you. Campus Reform is dedicated to fighting liberal bias on college campuses. You can help Campus Reform in their mission by sending incidents of liberal bias their way. To do this, all you have to do is go to campusreform.org tip.
Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am now here with James Kutras. He is a former active duty sergeant who formerly served in the 101st Airborne Division, and he is currently in the Army Reserves. James, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience in the Army and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like many others, I joined just straight out of high school, um, and I spent five years on active duty, uh, worked my way to sergeant, um, and then I left active duty and went into the Army Reserves, mostly to um, pursue my college degree. Um, I, there was nothing wrong with active duty. I just I wanted to get my degree, and being in active duty and trying to get um, a bachelor's is extremely difficult as active duty life is very demanding. I know you did a, a lot in um, in the Army, um, very high-profile things. So um, could you share a little bit about what you did in the Army with us? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my first couple of years were pretty um, uneventful. There was a lot of training exercises, nothing too crazy. Um, I guess you could say like where my um, five-year tenure in active duty peaked was uh, I deployed to Afghanistan I was on a uh, personnel security detail for a general, um, and basically my entire job was to make sure that he was safe, to keep him safe, and to be his uh, communications liaison. So basically what that means is um, just made sure all of his communication systems were running properly so he could talk to all of his subordinate units, um, as well as I got a, an opportunity to do uh, some training and advising to the Afghan National Army, which was really cool. Um, I got to meet a lot of really awesome people while on that detail. Um, I met General Dunford, who, as some of you might know, is the uh, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've met the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a few other really high-profile people. It was a really good time. Um, I'm very thankful for my experience with that, um, and it's opened a lot of doors for me. Um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit to what I'm doing now. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm in college. I study um, electrical engineering, but I'm also the uh, primary communications planner for the presidential escort for this inauguration, which is extremely exciting. So, and I, I wouldn't have been able to have that opportunity had I not um, had my experience in Afghanistan, um, which really helped me to kind of understand how. Um, how um, that type of work kind of works, as well as uh, I actually got promoted to sergeant while I was on that detail. So on top of learning how security works, doing my normal job as a um, like a telecommunications manager, I was also learning how to be a new leader in the Army. So, so I'm sure you would say, being the Army, you definitely had to become a leader, uh, learn how to be a leader. Um, just even starting from basic training, um, they had you, you know, doing so many things, and you had to take a leadership role. Um, and especially as a sergeant, that's what your job is. It's your job is to be a leader. So you're definitely very qualified to talk to about this. But I'm curious what you would think about, um, like, what kind of mindset do you have going into a leadership role, um, especially even with this inauguration job that you have? What kind of mindset do you have leading into those um, those roles in the Army? That's a great question. Um, well, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to, at least in the Army, and this can be applied to the non-military world, the private sector, if you will. Um, I usually like to go back to the Army's definition of what leadership is, and I think it, it applies to most 
um, leadership roles. I'm, I'm actually pulling this from the FM, which is Field Manual 6-22. Um, that's an open source document. Anybody can look that up. It's on Google. Um, but but basically, um, the uh, what the, the FM states, the definition of leadership is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish your mission and to improve the organization. So I always go back to that. Um, as far as what I'm trying to do, obviously the mission changes and the organization changes, but the core of what a leader is, uh, remains the same. Um, so that's kind of what I go back to as far as what my mindset is about how my leadership style is going to be. Well, do you even, do you ever feel unprepared for a leadership position? Um, I know you went overseas to Afghanistan and I'm sure, um, you probably faced some different situations that, you know, you would never face in the United States just on a base. So when you feel unprepared to take on a leadership position, what are some ways to help you cope and succeed despite that panic you might feel? That's a great question. Um, normally what I do is, um, for most things, like somebody else has experienced what you're experiencing. So um, it's good to always reach out to people who have like kind of like been there, done that. So for me, I always reach out, try to reach out to people who have done that particularly, have been in that position before and see kind of what they did, what worked, what didn't work, kind of understand what their leadership style is. Um, and then kind of tailor it to what my needs are because it's not going to be the exact same but uh yeah ta- i mean talking to somebody if you can find that information also just getting a lot of insight of what the position is and what it's requiring of you um and knowing your subordinates is, is really key as well just kind of knowing um their different personalities and like what drives them what motivates them their um i guess you could say um like their work ethic and stuff like that. Once you kind of know all that stuff, you can tailor your leadership style to each of your subordinates um, and kind of create like a really well-oiled machine to kind of get the job done. Yeah, no, that's that's good advice. And speaking of subordinates, um, some of these subordinates sometimes I'm sure are your friends. Um, You spend so much time with these guys um, on base during basic training and uh, through regular training afterwards. You spend so much time with them, they become your friends. But how do you deal with becoming, you know, you're a sergeant, all of a sudden you're in in charge of these friends or um, you just take on more of a leadership role and you do have to start telling your friends what to do. How do you how do you handle that? what advice would you have for somebody to keep keep things professional in that sort of situation? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and it's this is actually particularly an issue um, in the military. I can't really speak for the private sector, but uh, generally how it works, um, just just to give the, the listeners kind of a background, is um, officers come into the military into a leadership position. So they don't really have this issue, but non-commissioned officers, NCOs such as myself, your sergeants, staff sergeants, um, but specifically your sergeants, you know, they're one month, they're a specialist, and then all of a sudden they make their promotion points, whatever, and now all of a sudden they're a sergeant. And generally speaking, the Army doesn't just send you away if you become a sergeant. You become a sergeant, and now your former peers are now your subordinates, just seemingly overnight. And I know a lot of uh, peers of mine who became 
uh, NCOs who really, really struggled with that. I mean, there's a lot of the army has a very strict fraternization policy um, that applies not only to like workplace relationships, but just like strictly just hanging out with your subordinates. Um, And basically it states just don't do it. Um, So it's really hard to kind of you've built up a relationship over you know, a few years because you, you remain lower enlisted for the first three to four years that you're in the military. So basically the majority of your time in the military is spent with these people as the same rank. And like I said, all of a sudden you're their boss now. So I know a lot of people who struggled with this. I was very fortunate to where I was already on, I was only on a team of four people, myself included, and the other three were all already NCOs. Um, and they were just grooming me cause they knew I was going to get, be promoted soon. So I didn't really have to deal with that, but I know a lot of my peers who struggled with it. And I think their way of getting around it was just to, unfortunately, um, to kind of just break off those friendships. And it, I hate to say it, but I mean, that's just kind of what it came down to is they had to prioritize their careers over their friendships um, but a, a lot of the times too, their friends eventually became NCOs and then they were their peers again. Um, and then you're just an NCO for the rest of the time you're for the rest of your career, unless you, you know, become an officer or warrant officer or something. Um, but I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of how military, um, rank structure works, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what you have to do. You have to create a very clear separation and with your friends, sometimes that can be hard and it can ruin friendships, but you kind of have to prioritize what you're about. And if your friends, honestly, if your friends are good friends, they'll understand and that will motivate them to become NCOs as well. So they can be your peer again and be your friend again. Now, just to be clear, what does NCO stand for? Uh, it's a non-commissioned officer, so uh, your officers, like your lieutenants, captains. Now, I know you're a great leader yourself. Um, you're a sergeant now. You've been promoted. Have you ever been in situations where you've seen other people who are, you know, they're just bad leaders, but they're in a leadership position and they're just toxic and, um, you know, they're the people that you want to stay away with, uh, stay away from. Have you ever been in those situations where you've seen pe- people like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Every organization has its fair share of toxic leaders. Um, As we all know right now, it's being like extremely highlighted um, in our our police forces and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, every every organization has its fair share of toxic leaders. And um, unfortunately, on the in the private side, you can just leave an organization. You can quit and go find another job. Um, the military it doesn't really work that way. If you got, if you have a bad NCO um, as a soldier, just don't do what they do. Basically, um, a lot of people do confuse a very strict um, a very strict NCO with being toxic. Um, I personally was very strict on my guys being a new when I was very, very fresh uh, into being a leader. And um, I kind of a lot of my soldiers had different things going on and different personalities. And I kind of just like used a blanket leadership style on all of them. I know now that that doesn't work. Then I did not know this. However, um, a lot of I had one soldier in particular who was always going, um, he was following the chain of command, but he was going to my boss or my boss's boss and saying, hey, like, uh, you know, my NCO is is being toxic, he's being unfair, blah, blah, blah. 
I wasn't being unfair. I was just being very hard on him because he had a tardiness issue. He was late to work a lot. He had a lot of issues going on. I was just trying to get some discipline into him because uh, in the military, that matters. I mean, that's the difference between that can be the difference between life or death, especially if you're overseas in somewhere like Afghanistan. Uh, missing a movement or something is a is a huge deal. Um, so, you know, it's it it can be confused a lot with a with a strict leader being toxic. But um, there are plenty of resources to know what toxic leadership looks like. And um, yeah, I mean, if you there there are a, a plethora of ways to go about getting around a toxic leader. My favorite and personal way is do better than your leader is doing get noticed and then um, out promote them. So you end up becoming their boss and then you can actually show them the right way while also learning. Um, that's the hard way to do it versus just leaving. That sounds leaving. like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean that you could just leave an organization, but uh, if you care about the organization enough and want to make it better, do a really good job, get noticed by your boss's boss, especially if, if he's taking the credit for all of your work and I'll promote him. And then once you become his boss, you can either say, hey, man, you're fired, you know, do the Donald Trump way or, <laughs> you know, like try to lecture them to help them to become a better leader. Because some people are toxic leaders out of ignorance or they're just not good leaders. So they're being toxic to compensate for that, which generally comes out of ignorance. I, I find that a lot of toxic leaders aren't just being toxic for the sake of being toxic. Um because they're bad people mostly it's out of ignorance now in your own experience uh you know you led a bunch of groups of people what is like some of the worst experiences experiences you've had leading a group of individuals and what did you learn from that experience um so i had my first uh group of soldiers um i was a team leader so a a team is a, a smaller group and within a platoon so I was like the the lowest level leader, if you will, in the military. Um, so I had like three soldiers below me. One of them was really high speed. Um, he was really, really good at what he did. He wanted to learn. I think he's an NCO now, actually. Um, the other two just had all kinds of issues. Like I said before, they wouldn't show up to work. They wouldn't show up in the right uniform. They wouldn't bring the right gear for when we were going to the range. Um, I, I had to do a lot of get very creative with my disciplinary measures um, and, um, and, and, the, and it turned out they were actually, a lot of them were doing drugs too. So I, unfortunately I ended up having to write them up, do paperwork on them and kick them out of the army. Um, I'm not going to name them obviously, but, um, I learned a, a very, one of the most important lessons I learned from them is, uh, and I feel like I failed as a leader that they, that I had to kick them out of the army. Cause I feel like they had a lot of potential. Um, was, like I said before, trying to use a blanket leadership style on all of my guys um, versus kind of learning their personalities. Um, I feel like I, I could have tailored a leadership style to each of those individuals instead of trying to blanket over them um, and just kind of learning their kind of like quirks and everything else like that so I could... Um, you know, know how to approach the situation with them. Like, just to give you an example, some people respond really well to yelling, which is something that is done in the military. It is a leadership um, tactic, if you will. Yeah, you definitely can't do that in the private sector. <laughs> no, no, you can't just you can't just straight up yell at people. But 
It is a tactic used in the military, as most people know. Some people just shut down when you yell at them. They won't respond. They're not even listening to you. So you kind of have to take like a more quiet uh, and calm, cool, and collected approach. Um, And those are just two very extreme examples. There's a plethora of other examples within that. Um, And I think that's what makes a good leader is knowing your guys um, and knowing how they'll respond to certain situations and knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are and then tailoring that to what will fit what you're trying to do, what your mission is. And that way you can work together as a really well-oiled team because for the most part, one guy's weakness is another guy's strength and vice versa. So you can use those different weaknesses and strengths to kind of accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. This doesn't only apply to the military. This can apply to any any workforce in general. Um, another thing I learned is when you come in as a leader, um, don't immediately just start trying to like change things and implement things. Um, a really, really good thing that I personally like to do when coming into, into a new organization is just kind of going into like observation mode and for like usually like 14 days, probably like two, two weeks, um, and just kind of seeing how everything's being run. And then just annotating either on a notebook or in your in your head what works and what doesn't. Don't change what don't try to change what works and try to tweak or completely change what doesn't work. Um, if you can just slightly change something that doesn't work to get it to work, awesome. That saves time. Having to reinvent the wheel and to, and to redo and come come up with new like standard operating procedures and stuff. It that takes so much time away from you being able to actually learn. Um, your subordinates and kind of build rapport with them. So if you can like totally reinventing the wheel, which is what a lot of like leaders want to come and do. They want to come in and just like implement their own style of doing things. Don't do that. It's, it's very counterproductive. Um, It's a big problem. I've seen a lot of organizations where they do a change of leadership, especially organizations that do a regular change of leadership. I know in the military, we have regular guy leaders coming in and out just doing cycles and they want to change like everything. And it's so counterproductive. It just makes it everything harder for everyone else. When you've got systems in place that work, work with those systems and implement new ones to make the organization better. Don't try to come in and reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Thank you so much. That is, that is definitely great advice. Um, we just have a little bit less than a minute left. So Um, I just kind of want to get your uh, advice. I know you're a big podcast junkie. So what are some of your favorite podcasts that you might be able to recommend to people to prepare um, or improve themselves for a leadership position? Uh, Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, if you're specifically interested in military ones, like SoftRep, S-O-F-R-E-P, is a really good one. They talk about a lot of leadership. Um, There, you can cherry pick some... um, I hate to sound like super mainstream, but like Joe Rogan podcast, there are, there are, he has some people on there that are like really, really awesome people. Um, the art of manliness is a really good one. Uh, I know it sounds kind of, kind of weird and funky and crazy, but like they have a lot of really legit stuff on there that they talk about. Those are probably my top three. Um, there's a, there's one more. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. I wish I could. I'm sorry. But, uh, there's one more that they have a lot of, uh, really good uh, leadership stuff. Um, there is also another gentleman. His name is Jocko. Um, um, he was a Navy SEAL. If you just look up Jocko Navy SEAL, he'll come up. 
Uh, awesome, awesome guy. Does a lot of like seminars on leadership and just like self-motivation type stuff because leader, leadership starts within. You have to be self-motivated to improve yourself before you can start trying to improve the lives of other people or improve another system in my case uh, from like an engineering standpoint. So um, those are probably like my top ones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on to the show. um, And I know our listeners definitely got a lot of uh, value out of this episode. Awesome. Thank you again so much for having me. Um, It was great to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lead Your Future podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share, or leave a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Leadership Institute's mission to increase the number and effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. That's why I bring you on-camera TV trainings, public speaking workshops, debate workshops, speech writing workshops, and so many more. If you're interested in taking one of these trainings, feel free to check out our website at leadershipinstitute.org forward slash training. The Lead Your Future podcast is produced and edited by Tiffany Roberts with support from Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell. If you want to learn more about the Leadership Institute and see behind-the-scenes photos, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to Leadership Institute on YouTube.